Hi, Brandon Monroe here, and you're listening to the Bernie Breakdown. Well, in a not-so-surprising decision, NASCAR has decided to drop the hammer on Bubba Wallace. I'm Brandon Monroe, and alongside me, as always, is Mark Chavez. And let's start with the number one story of the week. The other day, on Tuesday, NASCAR decides to come down on Bubba Wallace very hard, suspending the driver of the number 45 car. One race, he will not be racing at Homestead this weekend. John Hunter Nemechek will be in the car instead. What are your initial thoughts to this, Mark? They gave about as middling of a penalty as possible. While I think it was justified, I think it's the kind of penalty that I think it's uh, to rational people. This seems fair. I think to who the public at large would like to be on opposite ends of the spectrum. Uh, this penalty is either not enough or too much. Uh, people saying he shouldn't be racing the rest of the year. People mad because say Byron uh, back at Texas or uh, technically only got a monetary fine. I think the more Accurate comparison, to be honest, is Noah Gregson uh, at the at Road America in the in the Xfinity race. Uh, but at the end of the day, I right rearing someone, which is something you know Noah did. I guess it was technically left rear, mm-hmm. uh, but did did basically do. Uh, probably in hindsight, Noah should have been penalized more. It'd be interesting to see what they would have done. If they would have still suspended him, if Bubba was, say, in contention for a championship, uh, would they have been able to pull the trigger on this? I don't know. I hope they're just so inconsistent. Is the problem right? Like I Byron penalty not to me not or his situation very different, very very different. I don't even think truly comparable in terms of of getting the same payment. But I do think Gregson's is a fair comparison. Uh, I don't think the fact that uh, Kyle Larson is in a playoff car, he obviously not in the playoffs, but the five teams still in the owner's playoffs. I don't think that should really matter when it's a situation like this, right? When it's two guys racing, uh, I don't think Larson did anything intentional. I think he just, in one of the few moments that, that Larson does it, ran out of talent. And it cost Bubba, it may not even cost Bubba a chance. Let's also be clear with that. Like, Bubba maybe cost Bubba a chance at that race, but that doesn't really matter. I don't think the fact that he's in the playoffs should matter because I don't think when you do that, you, you, and I touched on this before, but I feel like you give the playoff guys almost too much power uh, to basically just drive around like an ass. Uh, but I, I think a race is, is justified. I think it's fine. Uh, I think it does definitely deliver the message that, Hey guys, stop being idiots. It, it just compounds on it. It feels like the sport is out of control right now. No one is actually piloting the ship. And it's just going wherever it wants to go. I mean, I felt that way after 2015. You had the whole situation with Kevin Harvick wrecking the field of Talladega to stay in the playoffs. And then you had Matt Kenseth take out Joey Logano a week later. This is pretty much the same spot, in my opinion. Um these drivers, I, I would have I would have to agree, at least in terms of this week, where it just seems like they're out of control and they're, you know, doing whatever they want. It just it just kind of comes across like that with how crazy, you know, the last couple weeks have been. I think NASCAR needed to do something. I think a one race suspension is probably the right call there. I know 
it, it feels like there's not enough people on the, yeah, that was the right call. I, I'm like you. I think it's everywhere it's right way call, over. But, but, but I, I think, think it's the right call, too. But I think a lot of people, like you said before, they think it should have been more. It should have been less. I don't know that many people out there that think one race was the right decision. I mean, there are people out there that seem to think that Bubba Wallace was trying to literally kill Kyle Larson. Like, was the action dangerous? Sure. With the way these cars are, could it have potentially ended Kyle Larson's career? I, I can't say no. Uh, but he was not trying to kill him. He was not trying to hurt him. He was retaliating and trying to take him out of the race, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, no. I mean, people talking about Kyle or should Bubba Wallace have like legal issues? To be fair, this is not the first time this has come up. Uh, discussions about this have come up before, particularly with Carl Edwards. Um, and potentially, uh, you know, is, is this assault? Cause I mean, I think legally it's probably a dubious ground. I don't ever expect any driver to do anything, but he, this, I'm not gonna say it wasn't malicious. Like he was trying to take Kyle Larson out of the race, but it wasn't trying to physically harm Kyle Larson. I do think this is not the first time we've seen these kinds of outbursts from Bubba. Uh, and he's not the only driver guilty of it, for sure. I'm not, you know, trying to signal him out. But you, you, he, he mentioned. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was him mentioned. You know, he's not. I don't know if it was this race or if it was earlier, but he mentioned. You know, he's, you know, still relatively new to running to the front, but he's not going to lift, right? And that's fair. But I think part of that too is like you got to realize that every contact now you don't have to literally run a perfect race to win. Something something that is true for the, the, a lot of the guys in the middle tier, but when you're in the top end car, you don't have to per- run a perfect race to win. And if he keeps doing things like this, he's going to take himself out of more races than he needs to. Uh, but yeah, no, the penalty, uh, people are just all over the place, completely all over the place. It's uh, to be fair, I, that was the vibe I got even after the race that there was NASCAR was going to have half the people mad at them no matter what. And while I think they picked the appropriate penalty. I also think they picked the penalty that just makes everybody mad. Yeah, I mean, that that seems pretty fair. I know no one could agree on this except probably us by the sound of it. I know a lot well, of people out there... You know, a lot of level-headed people probably agree with it. The problem is when you generally agree with something, you don't go to social media and, and yell about it, you know? So all the voices we see, all the voices you hear are going to usually be people that are on end, super ends of the spectrum here. Uh, and I mean, that's what it is. People that think that Bubba should have gotten a monetary fine at best. And people that think Bubba should not race again this year, at least. And I think both of those are wrong because, uh, Harvick talked about it a little bit, but mentioned, you know, they not in relation to this, but you know, to the sport at large, like someone needs to stand there and be the bad man with, with the, the big club that's, beating everybody in the line you see it in the and this isn't a new issue with the truck series but you see some and i mean i think carson hosevar is probably a pretty big example of why bub maybe should have been penalized to be honest because some of the crap he's gotten away with this year is we we know of one situation for sure probably two i mean he just spun people just just spun them out ruined their race and he gets away with it and nothing happens I, yeah no i mean 
that's somebody I think it was the guys on DBC saying that. Like, if you're going to suspend Bubba, then <laughs> Hosevar should have been suspended. I don't know if Hosevar should have been suspended because I'm unlike other people. He should have been. No, that I can agree with. should have been penalized. Probably could have been parked. I don't disagree with that. But, you know, I, I see a lot of people, and I think this is what bugged me, is that when they go on social media and they compare a lot of these accidents and they act like it's all the same when you're intentionally wrecking someone, I'm sorry, but spinning somebody out at IRP is a lot different than hooking somebody into the outside wall at Las Vegas going 180 miles an hour. No, I agree 100% in that. And <laughs> I think a lot of people kind of need to understand that while the same thing's going on with somebody being intentionally wrecked, the, the whole you know, crime, I guess you could say about it. It's, it's not the same. It's, it's just not. No, I agree. Uh, I think that no ma- matter what, um, spinning, so- you know, you get in the situations where it's hard to say for sure. Right. Like if it's a retaliation thing, like, uh, it, let's say instead of at Texas, this happened to Martinsville, right. Or sorry, instead of Vegas, this happened to Martinsville. And Bubba full sends it in, junks Larson. Does he deserve to be parked for that? I don't know. But when you are right, when you're literally spinning, especially the incident with uh, like Hosovar, right? Like as far as I saw, Colby Howard didn't do anything to justify being spun out. Uh, Even if they had a little bit of of a rub and race and deal, like nothing that should have involved him getting junked and having ultimately still cost Tosavar a shot at, at racing for a championship. So that's karma at least, but they're just not the same situation, but there are comparables, right? I don't think we should be on the end of the spectrum. We are right now where now Bubba misses a race and Hosovar got to finish that race. Like, yeah. I think that's part of the problem. So I, I honestly don't know if I would have parked him at IRP, but I, I would have held him laps. He, he should, his race should have effectively been over. Yeah. If you, and I, like, that, that's my point to it. Like, I, I'm not going to, you know, maybe you should have parked, maybe you shouldn't. But the fact that, he, that nothing happened to him. Mm, yeah, nothing. that I agree like, with. You just. Like, I think there is a respect issue across the board. It's obviously the worst in the truck series. <laughs> maybe actually the best in the Xfinity series, to be honest. But. I don't know. I don't know what needs to be done, but. The sport just feels like no one is actually running it right now. And it's beyond this. You know, just everything that's happened the last couple of months. It's some, been some, a bad two months. Some, some, some of it is NASCAR's fault. Some of it isn't. Uh, but by and large, like, whether or not they caused it now or they caused it, you know, starting basically when they switched to this car, like, it's it's all on them. I they, It's funny because, like, Daytona, I think most people are like, well, what are you going to do about it, really? But now that that was the first thing and it's just spiraled from there, and there are a lot of things that I think no one would even really remember, right? Uh, I, while the caution last week in the Xfinity race seemed bad, uh, listening to people who are actually you know, spotters and stuff, they said in hindsight it actually isn't doesn't necessarily look as bad as it does if you have the same perspective that the tower does. But when you add in everything that's happened, it's just another thing on the pile. Mm-hmm. And when it's just another thing on the pile, people care less and less about the validity of it. Uh, and there's, there's been a couple things like that. That The rain caution at Kansas was, was obviously messy. But when you have week after week after week after week of this stuff happening, 
glad the season's almost over. It's it's not good. <laughs> and, you know, we've been dealing that they're dealing with that for months. Um, you know, I think uh, NASCAR probably making the again. Maybe, I think it's the right decision anyways. They're, they're making a decision. They're drawing a line in the sand. You can't right hook people at mile and a half tracks. I think most of us already knew that. Although there are a couple of occasions that I've uh, you know noticed over the last couple of days where NASCAR didn't do anything about it. Uh, one of them was Ben Rhodes um, back in, I believe, 2020 at Texas when he just right-hooked Christian Eckes into the wall, got nothing for it. And another one, which I don't think gets talked about a lot because he didn't get junked, uh, you go back, once again, Kyle Larson running somebody into the wall in the All-Star race. I believe this was back in 2018. Uh, Joey Logano comes back down and basically right-hooks Larson, doesn't fully get him, Larson gathers up the car and spins through the infield. So that's one that's definitely overlooked. But... Yeah, that's the thing, right? Like, if and which is why, like, part of the issue I had with, like, Gregson getting penalized, because I do think he only got penalized because a bunch of cars got junked in it. And at that point, you're punishing people for unintended consequences, right? Mm-hmm. If Bubba comes down the track, hits Larson, Larson spins, doesn't hit the wall, is Bubba racing on Sunday? My answer is probably yes. I honestly think if Larson came up the track and nosed it into the wall head on and ruined his day, I think NASCAR parks Bubba and he doesn't get suspended. I um I was listening to DBC and I actually think this is a good analogy, even though they were giving him crap. I think Brett was the one that came up with it first. But I feel like this penalty is pretty relatable to targeting college football. Where if Bubba doesn't wreck himself in there. I think they park him for the race, and and that's it. He's racing on Sunday. Similarly, if you get a targeting penalty in the first half, you could play the next week. If you get it in the second half, then you have to sit out the first half of the next game. And I think here, if you know Bubba wrecked his day was done, NASCAR said, "Well, you screwed yourself. We're gonna penalize you because what what's the point? Like we can't park you. You already parked your own car." Um, so I I think there's a lot that plays into the spent the suspension. I I really think if things went slightly different as you said if larson just went spinning off into the infield no harm no foul we're not even talking about it i think there's a chance if bubba didn't wreck himself nascar parks him for the rest of the race on sunday and then he's racing at homestead so that really when you look at it like that kind of makes everything a little weirder i i was gonna say the same thing like i agree if he doesn't get junk and then they assess the penalty him in the race right? right like he probably is racing sunday but the end result for him it would have been better off if he didn't get junked at the end of the day. Like, yeah, because now it's like theoretically, we don't know for sure, but I'm inclined to agree that's what would have happened. Yeah. I, I don't know how easy it is, but you know, NASCAR's laid out a very clear set of of rules and levels of infraction that we don't always know what 100 percent is in with infraction, but all those things are for like inspection, excuse me, inspection and stuff. Uh, but I almost wonder if like. You, I don't know that you do it for sure, but you at least look into creating the same kind of metrics for these kinds of instances. Mm-hmm. Like, Boys Have Added has been dead for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, while we all like a good good attitude in the race, I've always been on, like, it, it's, it's difficult, but I, I don't know. I just feel like you settle it on pit road more than on the track for the most part. For the most part, just it's inherently less dangerous, but they don't let them do that either. Like we, we can't. And this has been an issue for NASCAR for probably over 10 years. Like they, they want to be like the rough and tough sport, but at the same time, like sometimes people do anything and everybody just gets penalized. So, but I don't know, just, 
I, this, and this isn't necessarily a transparency issue, but if we had that kind of matrix, it would help with transparency and it makes it a little bit more clear. And obviously there are going to be cases that straddle the line that are left up to, you know, what you decide, but, and obviously a, a part of it is always, uh, intent, you know, like, uh, we know Bubba did this on purpose. He, some people gave him crap for getting out of the car and saying, oh, his, his car broke, but that, that is a hundred percent what you're supposed to say. Yeah. There is no easier way to guarantee yourself a penalty. If he came out and said he did it on purpose, legitimately might be suspended two races. It's possible. <laughs> like, like, that, like that's the one thing you do not do is you do not admit to wrecking someone on purpose. You do not admit to causing a caution on purpose. You could say things like, oh, we were just racing aggressive and, you know, but like never intentional. Like that's a one way ticket to a penalty. Well, I do know while penalties like this could be up in the air and NASCAR could do whatever they want, um, there is one penalty that we always know what's coming down. And that is uh, when you lose a tire, you lose your crew chief for a couple of races. And Kyle Busch and Ben Bayshore, their uh, tenure together is uh, going to come to an end a couple races early after Kyle's team left a wheel loose and it subsequently fell off the car while he's trying to make his way back around. Uh, I mean, it looked like it felt for a while we weren't having a lot of these, but, um, you know, I, I do think situation it, there. at this point, it feels like it is just a team issue. More, I'm sure the gun, you know, some something happened outside of the team's control every now and then, but it does feel by and large a team issue. The, the Kyle's one was real interesting though, because we knew it was loose from like turn two, and it was or turn one actually, like it's almost yeah. as soon as it came on pit road, and it was ju- it was literally a matter of sitting there like, oh, is he going to make it back around before it falls off? And he got almost to three, I think, and then it finally, yeah, finally uh, about halfway down the back stretch, I think, yeah, finally came off. Him. So it was that was interesting one of the, but. Funniest part about this is uh, Bayshore will be suspended for the clash. Well, maybe I don't. I don't remember where we left off on that, to be honest. Because I believe Justin Haley's crew chief was suspended, and it did include the All Star race. Uh, but Denny Hamlin's crew chief got suspended, and they appealed, and then it didn't include the All Star race. Yeah, I think if let's so, uh, it be, I think Bayshore will be back for the five hundred. That's well, probably the smart thing to do, assuming he's even still a crew chief. Yeah. Well, yeah. he might still be a crew chief. My money is definitely if Ty is in the eighteen, uh, definitely not. Uh, Ty Gibbs is crew chief. I don't think. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if they would move anybody else around. Maybe you can make the argument Truex and James Small need to be broken up if they don't win a race, even though he's had a very consistent year. I, mean, I, I feel like if, if especially if Truex is like, yeah, no, this is it. You just leave that. Yeah, I, I agree. Why? Why break up the chemistry there? Um, and I don't think you're moving around Hamlin or Bell's crew chiefs right now. I mean, Bell when he isn't getting wrecked has been one of the best drivers out there, and. Hamlin, while they still haven't quite been able to put everything together consistently, has been showing a lot. Their of seasons before here. this were good enough that you you don't make the change. Yeah. Like if, if if this was the best season they've had, which I mean he has two wins, should have had three, could have had more, and they've had a lot of speed. I could see breaking it up then, but since this is the worst season they've had, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, you definitely don't don't break that up, and I agree with Bell. Like they're just clicking, but you know they have some Xfinity crew chiefs. There are some engineers, I'm sure, that can be moved around. I just 
I don't know. I just don't feel like Bayshore is going to be Ty Gibbs' crew chief. Um, waiting, waiting to move up Jason Radcliffe again. That's what they should do, but we'll see. Uh, that wasn't the only penalty to come out of Las Vegas, um, on, besides the Bubba Wallace one, uh, obviously. Uh, Jeremy Clements. <laughs> NASCAR got his team again, and I think it's probably going to stick this time. Uh, illegal body modifications that were found uh, earlier on in the weekend. Uh, $25,000 fine. Uh, 40 points, and his crew chief suspended for a race. Also, we were talking before about does NASCAR target some of these teams at a certain point? <laughs> Maybe they would have wanted to make an example out of uh, of Clements after they won their appeal at Daytona. But um, yeah, pretty pretty hefty fine for a small team. Yeah, I mean, I feel like they'll uh, they'll be okay, especially considering they still are a net positive from what it was looking like it was going to be after Daytona. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, at the end of the day, that's the thing, right? Like you have an illegal part, you get penalized, like where they targeted probably, but at the end of the day, don't, don't have the illegal part. Yeah. Don't, don't be messing around with the car. This is, this is not your daddy's NASCAR, like gray areas. Sure. But you got to know where they are. It's like, and And you have to think after Daytona, they're going to be looking at it. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. So. Can't feel too bad about them, but that is something I I did find a little bit funny to come out of uh, the races over the weekend. Uh, Something we didn't really talk about last time. We we brushed up on it a little bit, but didn't go full into detail. And we did mention Kurt Busch uh, stepping aside from full time racing next year. Uh, Tyler Reddick, I don't I think we might have just completely glossed over it, but he he got his contract bought out. He's going to be in the 45 car next year. Uh, Not really a shocking move, given the situation. Not I shocking you, to me, that's for I sure. Know, I was just about to say that. You called this. Granted, it wasn't necessarily go to 2411, but you did say he was going to get bought out of his contract. And it was before they even announced the 2411 deal. Yeah. Um, it just... it. I Now, to be fair, my read on that was wrong, because my read was that Tyler Reddick wouldn't want to stay at RCR. It sounded like he actually did, and RCR wasn't as keen to go out and, and sign him right then. Uh, but... I think it's just best case scenario for everybody. Uh, no one, no, nobody with any, not to be overly rude, but a- any functioning brain truly thought that unless he got a killer deal, uh, Childress was going to go out and get a third charter. So what you're saying is all the people that were calling me idiots on Twitter when I said this, uh, they, they don't have a fully functioning brain. No, no, because this felt like a hundred percent smoke from the beginning, from the, very generic plans. They're like, yeah, well, we're getting the third charter. Like, it just didn't make sense unless, and this was possible, but it didn't feel likely. Unless you had bona fide guaranteed funding for our another driver, probably Austin Hill, in 24. What, what are you going to do? Go out and get a third charter for for what you know what driver you will only have for one year. It, it literally could not have made less sense. Um, but this move makes sense for everybody. Uh, Richard, you know, gets uh gets something uh 2311 gets to start the future now uh i'm sure most people involved would have preferred kurt to still still be there uh i don't know i don't feel like the door was shut i feel like it was uh you know maybe left the jar a little bit but i think kurt knows for the team, this is the best move, right? Like, go out there 
you know, say that you're probably done because he knows he probably is and let them go out there and get their future. Mm-hmm. I mean, I want to know, like, did, did Kurt come to the decision himself or was he talked into it? I think that's the that's the thing that crosses my mind. And that's something I'll never know. Um, I feel like Kurt came to the maybe it was a group discussion, but I don't think Kurt would do this if he wasn't himself willing to say that this is probably the best for everybody involved. Cause at the end of the day, I'm sure if Kurt feels like he can race, uh, someone will find this spot for him. Denny honestly might just straight up find Lisa charter. Cause I mean, I think at the end of the day, there are a lot of teams out there that have charters that while I'm sure they would like to run, it's a lot more profitable if they could lease it out to a team like 2311 that's going to get them much better position in the standings. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, don't I don't rule it out, man, that Kurt is, you know, he he could come back at some point. It's just like we don't know how long concussions take to heal. I mean, that's something we all know. Every every concussion's different. Uh, right, story, thing. It's not even just that yeah. we don't know. It's that literally they are all different. I mean, you you I've heard stories from people where they like bump the wall with their head and they're they're out three months and you hear people about getting in crazy car accidents and they're fine it's it's pretty crazy when you start really looking into it you know if if there's a chance they might have thought kurt wouldn't have been ready to go at the beginning of next year this makes you know even more sense um but that being said like you know if kurt gets to the middle of next year and he's feeling good and he's racing again could he possibly come back for one more full-time run i i wouldn't rule it out it's probably unlikely but if you get to that point where you're feeling good and you feel confident that, you know, we're not going to have any issues, I don't think it's impossible. I, I just hope that Kurt's out there in some capacity next year, which, you know, that seems like it's his plan. He's talked about he's got a couple tracks that he wants to go out and try to win at. I mean, so. at, yeah, at the bare minimum since Penske, nobody has anything negative to say about Kurt from the racing world. Mm-hmm. Uh, every team has loved having him there. They don't regret it. He's done great things for the team. So if he wants to stay involved, he will have a home. I imagine it probably will still continue with 2311. Uh, but I I think he honestly could have his pick of, of if he wanted to go somewhere and, and, and help them out, he would be able to do it. Like, I don't think it's a coincidence that Kurt got there and, Bubba became a better driver than we've mm-hmm. literally ever seen him. Yeah, I I think Kurt plays a, a big role in that, and hopefully he can continue to grow that team, even though he won't be behind the wheel in a full-time capacity. Um, Other driver news. Kind of came out of nowhere over the last couple days, but Ty Dillon's found his home for next year. He'll be driving the 77 for Spire. I... I... You know, props to Ty Dillon, man. Like, he he, his dream was to apparently be a cup driver, and he finds a way to keep doing it. Spire's not even getting RCR engines, so I don't even... At the end of the day, you know, RCR Hendrick engines are effectively the same, but they are still using literally Hendrick engines. Uh, yeah, I mean, I know he has some funding. I think this is... I think, honestly, almost anybody in the 77 full-time uh, will help that team help spire as a whole uh but man like i don't know man if i was ty dylan just maybe maybe he no doesn't think he can win the xfinity series either and he'd rather run around in the cup series not winning than 
in the Xfinity series not winning. I don't know. Well, I mean, he it's not like he was just done in the Xfinity series after his one win. Like he ran multiple seasons after that and still didn't go to victory lane. Um maybe maybe that is the case. Maybe you'd just rather be running in the Cup series and you know, he he showed some flashes this year and I I guess flashes are a strong word to use, but there was a time at the beginning of the year where he was just constantly running around, you know, 20th position. And you felt like, oh, I mean, the guy's actually improving. Like this is, this is a good step. And then everything kind of came unraveled in the summer. My, my theory is everyone else got better and he just didn't Mm -hmm. like everyone else figured out the car better and improved. And he he just didn't nothing more complicated than that. Yeah. So, I mean, hey, if he if he wants to keep running in the Cup Series, you know, logging laps and, and trying to work something out for him, aspires a good spot. I'm with you. Like, if I was a race car driver, I wouldn't want to be running around in that junk. I'd, I'd take the Ryan Priest approach. I want to go out there and win races. I'd go find something in a, a different series where I could, you know, beat up on the competition and go to victory lane. So, I mean, Ty Dillon's definitely, in some ways, you know, just a stronger person than me to gut it out and run, you know, 32nd every week in that car. Listen, if you're like Todd Gill and you're trying to make your way in, and I'm sure gets paid more in the Cup Series than he would in the Equal Ride in the Xfinity Series, like, I get all that. I just, I don't feel like Ty Dillon's hurting for money. Uh, And yeah, I guess he's also like, he's got to be 30 something by this point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, he is what he is. So I just, I don't know. Well, but hey, as long as he's having fun, you know, it's not <laughs> like he, he gets a lot of crap, but to be honest, other than maybe this year, although nobody knew what the 42 and, uh, Petty GMS would be to begin with. It's not like he's ever really in the cup series taken a competitive ride from, uh, from anybody. So no, no. so I mean, well, uh, be good to see Ty Dillon out there on the track still. And uh, I'm with you. You know, even though he's probably not the best driver out there, just having a guy full time in that car is definitely going to help that team. So good news there for Ty. And uh, one more piece of driver news. And we all expected this, but for it to come just a couple days after a huge victory, uh, definitely better. But Josh Berry is going to be back in the eight car for Junior Motorsports next year. Sounds like Tire Pros and Harrisons will be back on board sponsoring the eight machine. Uh, Again, no shock. uh, Josh Berry, you know, we thought he was good before he got all these opportunities in the Xfinity series. Had a good season running part time last year. And he backed it up with a championship for performance. And uh, yeah, I mean, good to see him back. Very, very happy about this news, even though we pretty much knew that it was coming at some point. I mean, it had been. Pretty shocking if, if he wasn't back, but I agree. Uh, I mean, Josh, obviously, you know, it's, it's you can't really say Josh Berry didn't get here without help. If he doesn't meet Junior on iRacing, Josh Berry probably maybe never even steps foot in the late model, to be honest. Like, uh, but he did get where he is while knowing someone through talent. If he didn't have talent, Junior would not have ever went to bat for him to try to get him in anything over other than the late model. Sure. Probably never even bothers trying to get in the late model. So just, it's still, you know, everyone in this, everyone, especially in the cup series, but even further down, it's in a competitive ride is not there on talent, literally alone, but Josh Berry is probably one of the closer ones. Yeah. He's, he's definitely somebody who's paid his dues 
And you know, you, all, you always like to see that. I think a lot of people know that racing today isn't what it was, you know, 20, 30 years ago. You need a lot more help now. And to see somebody get there like a Josh Berry, you know, it gives a lot of people hope down there that maybe they could, you know, be able to showcase their skills and, you know, obviously find somebody that could help them get to where they are. But, you know, great to see Josh back in the car. And, you know, the only way this can be better is if he goes out and wins a championship at Phoenix. In a couple been, been quite a week for him. Obviously, won the race Saturday gets announced to be coming back uh, yesterday. Birthday, just looked it up. Not even looking up, just looking up how old he was. Uh, birthday is on Saturday. So uh, it's been quite a week for him yep. uh, as he approaches his 32nd birthday. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's still kind of young. I know Dale keeps talking about he's going to be in Cup one day, and uh, maybe, maybe he's not I mean, young, I, young, but it's I, possible. I think for the most part, the only way that happens is if it's a junior-owned car. But, I mean, he's definitely talented enough to where if, if, if he got that shot, I'd have no problem with it. I think uh, I think everybody would probably be rooting for him a little bit at the very least. But good to have Josh Berry back in the Xfinity Series full time next year, and uh, I'm sure he's going to pick up right where he's uh, at right now. Uh, you know, a couple races left, and we'll see if maybe he could improve on what's already been a great season. All right. Well, now that we got all the the news and stuff out of the way, let's actually take a dive here into the races this week. We got all three series in action. Uh, this is going to be the Truck Series last race before their Final Four. They won't be racing at Martinsville, so this is it for them in the playoffs. Uh, Xfinity and Cup also at Homestead as well, but, you know, the Trucks, this is this is the biggest race of the weekend, I think, because obviously it's a cut race. You know, a lot of stuff could go down, and we know how these truck drivers could race at times. That's uh, definitely true. Uh, just looking over the standings real quick because it is I, obviously it's important for all the series, but I think it's very important when it's a cutoff race and it's uh, quite a battle for that last spot. Obviously, Ty Majeski's already locked in. Uh, Chandler Smith sits 30 points above the cut line. Zane Smith sits 18 points b- above the cut line. Chandler Smith can get there just by not wrecking, I think. 30 points. Don't wreck. You'll be fine. Zane Smith almost in the same boat, but 18 certainly is more precarious. If a couple guys go out there, finished, uh, you know, of the remaining guys, finish first and second or, you know, top five of both stages, and uh, Zane Smith doesn't get any playoff point or, or any uh, stage points, then it might be a battle. But the real battle for the last spot, you got Ben Rhodes three up on the cut line, and then Chris Janekis, Stuart Friesen, three down, John Hunter, five down, Grannon Finger really in a must win at 29 down. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a tight battle, and I think everybody's going to be ready for it. I, I I know how Ben Rhodes is there. It's because of all the you know, yeah, I mean, stage well, wins and stuff that he's ben, had. Ben Rhodes there. is there because of the stage wins, right. and then at um, what was the first race? Was Bristol the first race of the round? I believe so. It's just uh, he got, he did. Have, trucks have a better schedule. <laughs> he yeah. Well, no, Ben Rhodes also actually got a top five at Talladega. I think. Mm-hmm. I think he was the only. Other, he might have been the only car. I'd have to go back yeah, and look. He finished, he finished second or third, wherever they deemed him. I, 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 I think he was one. He was either the only one or one of two playoff drivers in the top ten or fifteen. So yeah. that, I mean, that's how that's how he's in the spot. He, he had the good stage points, and then was the only one that had a good or one of two that had a good finish at Talladega. So, but we'll make a prediction. I don't want to make a prediction on it yet because it might, you know, involve who you think is going to win the race. Uh, so. 
maybe before we do head to heads, we'll make our predictions for who we think will move on to the championship for like that. But uh, like you said, that could get tied into our uh, race picks. John Hunter Nemechek, the favorite going into this race at plus three fifty. Uh, Zane Smith and uh, Ryan Priest making one more start in the 17 truck. It's 500 right behind John Hunter. I think it's going to be a tight battle. I think there's a lot of guys in here. But uh, are you going with one of the playoff drivers or are you going with someone outside the playoffs or maybe one of the part-time guys like Orion Priest? I went back and forth in this one. Uh, also a no- notable guy in here, last race of the year for Parker Kligerman and that team. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully next year full-time, you know, we'll, we'll see. But Lost. Yeah. I uh, went back and forth in this one a bit. Homestead's an interesting track because, it, and this applies to a lot of the, the, the truck tracks, and that they only go there once. And there's so much turnover in the truck series, it's hard to be like, oh, this guy's good, this guy's not. Because even guys that we've seen run before, like Christianekis, like John Hunter, uh, most of John Hunter's starts were, or one of, I think most of them, was not with, with Kyle. It was uh, with, with his dad's team. Christianekis was with Kyle, not with uh, Thor Sports. So it's even hard to like draw a comparison there. It's a very unique track. I know it's a mile and a half, but I think we all know that it's, there's really no other track quite like it on the schedule there really should be because i don't think it would really make homestead less special um the racing is just people love it so much i would say of the non-historic tracks it's probably the most beloved i i, I think that's a fair fair thing you know you obviously got like darlington bristol daytona talladega homestead's right there mm-hmm. um but it's very unique it's hard to figure out who will do good here we know certain aspects of it went back and forth couldn't make up my mind but i decided you know the guy that I think has the most riding on the line, and this applies to more than just this race, but really the rest of the season, I don't think there's anyone with more riding on the line right now than John Hunter Nemechek, who's going to go out there, punch his ticket into the Final Four. I would agree with that 100%. Um, he, he's got a lot. We don't know what John Hunter's doing. Maybe Nothing. John Hunter knows. Have, maybe he knows. I don't think he does. Oh. I don't think anything's official. Like you look at his so interview, he like, didn't up. know a couple weeks ago. Like you know, he, he didn't know then. Um, man, I I'm with you 100. Um, percent In terms of he he really needs this race uh, to punch his ticket into the final four, get back like, to the championship. He 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 really needs to. I think a majority of people do think John Hunter Nemechek could be a Cup Series winner if he was in a good Cup ride, but the path there. It feels so dependent on how these next few races go and what opportunities he gets next year. I, I think if he's in the truck series again next year, that door's almost shut, if not completely shut. But he's been close. You know, he was the rumored guy that was supposed to be uh, the the backup for for uh, 2311 should anything happen to any other drivers. Ended up going to Ty Gibbs. But he was the guy, like, I think I think uh, it was reported he had been fitted for a seat with there before the season even started. Yeah. Like he was, he was their reserve driver. Um, we all, a lot of us felt like, you know, he was, uh, going to be the odd guy out at, at, in Toyota. And turns out that actually was Chandler Smith, whether it was his own choice or not, who knows, but he was the one that actually has already left Toyota. Uh, everyone that talks about his, his, his only year in the cup series has almost nothing but good things to say, uh, was, was quite impressive in, in the 38 truck, especially when it was our car, sorry, car. <laughs> Uh, especially when that team was nowhere near as impressive as it is now. I mean, really, it, it's just Michael McDowell. Todd Gilliland's yeah. been solid, but it is really just Michael McDowell. We'll see next year with him having a new crew chief. 
Uh, and yeah, I mean, I just, <laughs> I, I really feel like John Hunter's entire, and it was just crazy because he's been good in everything he's been in, but it really does feel like his entire future lays on, you know, his next few races. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. You know, I believe I picked him to win this race. when We did our truck series. Like, I have no, I cannot remember. I, I, we may have, you may have picked him. We may have both picked him in the redo. I don't know if we picked him in the maybe. Original. Yeah, maybe, maybe it was the redo. But you know, I, I had this race without <laughs> even running. <laughs> to be Here's fair, my was, thing. <laughs> no, I was gonna say those initial predictions are like three months old at this point. Who knows? <laughs> they've, they've been blown up. But my biggest fear with John Hunter Nemechek in this race is I go back to what happened at Phoenix last year. He, you know, screws up in qualifying. Still has a really fast truck. All he has to do is be patient, and he knocks in the nose of his car at the very beginning of the race, goes lap down, and unfortunately that race just it runs green. And he did get back on the lead lap, but he didn't have enough laps to get back up there he, and challenge for the win. The knocking his nose in cause a tire to go down. I believe so. I believe that we had a tire. I was there, so obviously yeah. like, I had the thing like. Being at a race is great. Obviously, there are a lot of things you never get any explanation for. There, there is a PA at the track, but at most tracks, you can't hardly hear him most of the time. So that's uh, the one thing that I'm. It, it worries about me going with him is if you are you going to have a repeat of that from last year? Um, I think he's definitely learned from that. I would like to tell myself that we're not going to have that problem this year. And even though this is going to be pretty boring, at least in terms of us going head to head and stuff like that, I'm also taking John Hunter Nemechek to win this race. But I feel like I'm a little more on the fence on this pick than you are. Listen, I don't know that I'd put money on this pick, uh, especially with him being the favorite. Uh, I quite honestly don't like any of the top three. I like Ryan Priest, but I just feel like it. Their guys are going to be so aggressive that have to get in. That I think that one of the only ways Ryan Priest gets through is if uh, they all wreck each other. To be honest, but Zane Smith has kind of just been off. But I, I don't know. I just like I don't like three plus three fifty just because I never really like anything under five hundred for sure in the NASCAR race in general. But I don't know. I just I think I think he'll win, and if he doesn't, I still think he'll make it through. Yeah, it's uh, it's gut check time for him, but uh, you know, we'll we'll see come Saturday. I know it's gonna be a day race, which I didn't even realize that probably until about an hour ago. I I thought they were freaking running on Friday night, but the fact that they're running during the day, I know the last time the trucks have been here, I think it has been a little while. Uh, they it's all it's always been a night race, so you don't even really have a lot of notes to go off of either. It's it's gonna make it a really different experience for some of these guys you know even like a ben Rhodes who's run there before and even crew chiefs that have been in the series longer it's gonna be pretty interesting was there a covid race here for the trucks i know there was i I feel like it was run at night i can say i think it might have been run at night anyway because i know the xfinity races were ran during the day yeah i I remember i remember that very explicitly i think that if they had a covid truck race it was at night it was after one of the Xfinity races, but I know they didn't come come here last year for whatever reason. NASCAR can't make a good truck schedule, but we already knew that. But I mean, yeah, the playoffs started now. three months ago. Yeah, I know. We're going to keep harping on that until that gets changed. But a little bit better next year. I will give them that. Still not where I want it to be, but a little bit better. I just, I don't know, man. Like the truck series, it kills all the momentum. Like, yeah. Okay. It, 
Yeah, it, it really I, does. I hate, I hate it. I hate it. Uh, as for a value pick, I know you already mentioned it. Just the, the odds for this race are pretty tight. Do you even have somebody on the value side? I, I do. I do. Someone that has had a, a pretty impressive playoff run, had an unfortunate first two races of this round, needs to win to get in. Grand Infinger plus 1,800. Yeah, I think that's uh that's one I was thinking of, and and Finger's been in these pressure situations before where he needs to win to get in, so no stranger to it. Um, I think I, he's gonna go out there and perform, but you know, is it gonna be enough? Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, he does. He literally is barring a disaster for the five guys or four guys directly ahead of him. Literally needs to win to get in. So I know my value pick. It's gonna be the guy that. If there was a Joey Logano in this series, it's probably him where he could show up one week and look like they're going to contend for races, you know, a race win and duke it out up front all day. And then there's races where he shows up and he runs like 15. But give me Stuart Friesen. He has one in Texas. It's a mile and a half at Homestead. I know it's completely different from Texas, but I think at plus 2000, it's a pretty good roll of the dice. As soon as you said like Joy Logano, I typed in the Stuart Friesen. Like I, you know I exactly as soon as you said it, I was it. like, "Well, all we've been talking about this year for Logano is how inconsistent they are." And I don't think there's been anyone in the Truck Series as inconsistent as Stuart Friesen. Yeah, I mean, like, at least not this year. Yeah, you could you could go through some of these other guys, but why do I think Carson Hosevar is going to magically turn it around? Why do I think Matt Craft is going to turn back the clock? Like, regardless of his actions, the last. Basically, the entire playoffs for Hosovar have been nothing but a huge disappointment. Mm-hmm. Where even if he didn't race like a dickhead, and and he just finished where he finished, like the playoffs have been a huge disappointment for him. It's been bad. Where, other than Kansas, I feel like they've been just and even Kansas, they didn't run that good. Oh, strategy call! It was, that got it was him strategy there. call that almost got him into the next round. But for I mean, he was right there. The same, he was in the same conversation with Majeski and Ekis for guys who had, had not won yet, but had had a super solid season. And it was still true going into the playoffs. And since then, Ekis has been decent. Majeski's been great. I mean, he's he's already locked in, obviously, from a win at Bristol. And Josevar has been literally invisible, except for when he's causing crap. <laughs> yeah, so plus 2,500, I'm, I'm not touching that at all. Um, by the looks of it, on the head-to-heads, we can't continue to pick on Carson Josevar because he is not there. But is there anybody in the head-to-head matchups that uh, stick out to you? You know, there, there's some I, I want to like. Um, I mean, I do like when I I can't pick him, and I guess neither can you. I do kind of like Ryan Priest at plus one ten over John Hunter Nemechek, uh, just because I I certainly think John Hunter could win, but I think Priest is a really solid shot to finish ahead of him. So plus one ten on that, uh, is pretty good. I hate plus one hundred on Ben Rhodes over Christian Eckes because Ben Rhodes has not been good. But the one I I do like, and it's it's close. I'm, but I, I think he's been better, and he is the underdog in this matchup. Is Chandler Smith over Zane Smith? Chandler Smith one hundred five to Zane Smith, or minus one hundred five to Zane Smith's minus one twenty five. Yeah, I mean Zane's had a decent playoffs, but I feel like much like John Hunter Nemechek's last year, it's just not quite the same strength you saw in the regular. He season. is he his a lot of his buffer was preserved by a second at um at Bristol. And has kind of just coasted. He's not in a, a super secure spot, but is uh, second in terms of the guys not in on or not locked in yet. 
Uh, mostly just, yeah, he had a great, he had a, a second at Bristol and had a really good regular season, but it has definitely been uh, similar to John Hunter for sure from last year since then. This is one of those times where I'm uh, not going to be chasing the odds here. I'm going to go with the easy bet, and that's Christian Eckes minus 130 over Ben Rhodes. Uh, <laughs> we, we already talked about it. You know, Ben Rhodes had a good finish at Talladega, and he has a bunch of stage wins this year, and that's why he comes in on the good side of the cut line. I don't see him making it unless everybody else behind him has trouble. And that would include his teammate, Christian Eckes, who's just, he's been better than Ben Rhodes throughout the playoffs and, and through much of the second half of the season. You know, Ben Rhodes has been able to, to bank up points and has put himself in a good spot. But I think that comes to an end on Saturday afternoon. I'm not saying Eckes is the one going to get in because I'm, I'm going with John Hunter to jump him there. And I'm going to assume Zane Smith and Chandler Smith don't have any problems. So it's probably not going to be good enough to get Eckes into the final four. but. At least in this head-to-head -head matchup, I'll take him over his teammate, even though he is uh, a heavy favorite in NASCAR terms at minus 130. Yeah, so moving on to the predictions, uh, sounds like you I basically made it already. <laughs> uh, obviously, Majeski's locked in, and I was going to say, I assume both of us don't have Chandler Smith um, at plus 30 missing. Uh, we both have uh, John Hunter winning to get in, and you have uh, Zane Smith holding on and I think he'll hold on, but I do think there's a good chance it'll be close. My first guy out would be Christian Eckes. Uh, mm -hmm. If Eckes was, you know, it's only a, it's a small difference, but if Eckes was the one that was, say, plus three, uh, so only 15 behind instead of 18 behind Zane Smith, I might even be willing to pull the trigger and say Eckes gets in over uh, Zane Smith. The problem in the truck series is that they're just, it's hard if you have, like Chase Elliott this past weekend, had a, a bad day, finished 21st or 20th, um, and still obviously could have finished worse. Uh, and it's, it's obviously a very bad day. But in the truck series, for most of these guys, uh, a bad day is 15th at worst. And that is like, God, uh, short of wrecking, obviously, wrecks can happen. You can lose a flat. You can get trapped flat down. But just on raw speed, 15th is like a terrible day for any of these guys other than Stuart Friesen, just because of the way he is, and probably Grant Infinger, just because that team hasn't been that good. Uh, but for most of these guys, like, they're pretty solid locks to run around the top 10, and when they're doing that, it's really hard to make up 18 points in one week. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, short of Zane Smith having an issue, I, I just don't see Christian Eckes, Stuart Friesen, or John Hunter being able to, to pass him, and I don't think Ben Rhodes has the speed to pass him. So yeah, Sounds like we have the same final four of Majeski, Chandler Smith, Zane Smith, and John Hunter Imachek. I would uh, I would say that's a yes. That's uh, who we're both going with for the final four. And, you know, I think if, if there could be a surprise here, you know, maybe if uh, Stuart Friesen shows up with like a Joey Logano run from last week, maybe he could sneak his way in with a win. And, you know, maybe if, if Zane Smith even struggles a little bit, all it could possibly take is one stage where you don't get points. And you've seen Eckes been able to run up front. In a situation like this, after one stage, if Eckes wins and Zane Smith runs 11th, you know, that that chops that gap down a ton. Yeah, well, no, at that point, it would be eight, and that's just one stage. Yeah, so... Uh, I'm I'm so close to putting Eckes in, but I... I like, if, if Zane Smith gets in by two points, I would not be shocked. I don't know if it's going to be that close, but I, I think knowing the truck series, I feel like you're going to have a situation where Zane Smith might only be up by, like, 
five or six points and you're going to get like a green white checkered finish and who knows what could happen in those in the truck series it could it could be insane and that that might be what does them in but i'm i'm with you you're with me however you want to slice it we got the same final four and it'll be uh it'll be pretty interesting to see if that holds up over uh the course on saturday uh going to the fantasy teams real quick um i'm sure we probably have some of the same guys given that we seem to think uh, a lot of the same people are going to be running up front. Yeah, so starting off top to bottom, uh, two guys we already talked a lot about, John Hunter Nemechek, 11,300. Chris Jadek is 9,700. In terms of guys that have to go out there and get it done, I think they're the two most likely to do it. Uh, Parker Kligerman, 8,400. Uh, also, similar to, I mean, not racing for his career. I imagine at the bare minimum, they'll be part-time again next year, but I'm sure he would love to go full-time racing. I'm sure the team would love to go full-time racing, so... Important last race for them. Uh, next guy, Colby Howard, 7,200. Has had a pretty solid last month and a half, two months. A uh, couple issues, not necessarily of his own doing, that he got caught up in that have uh, ruined some of his chance at points. But especially for that price point, pretty solid. I uh, went with Kaz Grala, 6,900, because that's how much money I had left. Because my anchor here, the, 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 the cheaper guy, we, we've lost the one we use the most. But I did go with Timmy Hill at 6,500. Especially if he qualifies poorly, like he's going to hang around, finish around 20th. I will say, John Hunter, though, at 11,300, if he qualifies like 10th, I'm probably not playing him on the team. Mm-hmm. At, at that price point, you either want him to qualify, you know, front row, have a chance to lead a lot of laps, or have some issue qualify last and get all those passing points. Because uh, 11,300, pretty expensive. Uh, among the most we've, we've seen this year. Uh, so yeah, if he if it's a hundred percent dependent on this qualifying, you know, I either want him up front where he can lead a bunch of laps, or want something to go wrong where he can get a bunch of passing points. Because uh, unlike Bristol, where no one could really pass, really in all three series, uh, lots of places to pass at uh, Homestead. Mm-hmm. So starting off with my team from the bottom, uh, because I was running low on salary. What Wallace Allen? God, I wish he was better, just because that's such a badass name, but. He's been oh, up and down over the last couple of It's so good. <laughs> um, he's really been up and down over the last couple of races for the truck series. You've seen a couple of 21-point performances, and then you've seen a couple of you know negative and low single-digit performances. It's going to be one of those guys that it comes down to, can he keep the truck clean? But at 5,500, not a lot of other options there. The Nice trucks are okay. We're, we're banking on a clean day from Wallace Allen here to get us some points. Uh, I also went with Timmy Hill at 6,500. Really safe play there. Solid driver. You know he could get the job done. So nothing nothing out of the norm there. Uh, this is where we start rolling the dice. I'm going with Max Gutierrez. He's going to be in the 22, car, or 22 truck this week. Had a top 10 run in this equipment at Nashville earlier in the year. So... Roll of the dice, risky play, but this is the type of stuff you need to do if you want to contend in these tournaments. And if he could replicate anywhere close to what he did at Nashville, he that'd be a big point day. Uh, now we're starting to go into the heavier hitters here. Uh, Stuart Friesen, who was my value pick again, banking on him being able to show up. Hopefully he has a strong mile-and-a-half performance. 9,200, a little bit on the high side, but again, it's one of those guys where if he brings his A game, he could be up there contending for the win. Uh, quick pivot here at the end. I, I think uh, Chris Janekis, I don't know, maybe I just talked myself into it. I think he's going to have a strong day. Again, I think he's going to come up short in terms of making the Final Four, but he's going to be there. I think he's going to put some pressure on Zane Smith, and 
Maybe he'll be even trying to chase down John Hunter Nemechek at the end. Last guy is John Hunter Nemechek, uh, 11,300. I'm with you. If he doesn't have a great qualifying run, you might need to pull him just on fear that he might not be able to go up there and dominate this race. Again, that's somebody that I'm a little worried about given his performance last year in a pressure pack situation at Phoenix. Hopefully that doesn't happen again. If he gets a good qualifying run, runs up front, could give you a lot of points comes race day. So that's going to cover everything for arguably the most important race this weekend, which is the truck race. Again, cutoff race, everything on the line. Going to be really fun to watch. Next up, we're going to the Xfinity Series. And Noah Gregson, the heavy, heavy favorite here at plus 200, which even though he doesn't have a win at this track, I think we could all agree is the uh, correct decision in terms of the odds making. Oh, I... Listen, Noah Gregson is going to go out. He is going to straight up dominate this race. Just straight up dominate it like he's done the last three times here. And just like the last three times here, he is going to lose. And I think that you know, the late race, caution, late race caution will come out. He'll still, uh, he'll still, unlike last year, he'll get a good finish still. So he'll still be solid. Uh, but I think a guy who, you know, in the, in the theme we've kind of been running here, also potentially effectively racing uh, for a career, although this is a, quite a different situation than John Hunter Nemechek. Uh, I have this, this sneaky feeling that Trevor Bain is going to come out on top here. That'd be a big, big win for Trevor plus, Bain. Uh, plus, uh, what was it? Was it 500, 650. 600, 650, okay. 650. Oh, 650, so. Yeah, it would be a big win for him, for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he definitely needs it um, in terms of if he wants to get back to full-time driving. And uh, a win in the Xfinity Series at Homestead would definitely do that. I think Noah bucks the trend here. I think he's going to get it done. He's going to go out there, dominate this race like everyone expects him to, and he's not going to have anything happen. No late race yellow. No being the late race yellow. No having to yell, I believe, at David Starr after the race or whatever lap car he ran into last it, year. It was, went down. To be fair, he... I mean, I guess he did literally run into David Starr, but really it's more like David Starr ran into him. That's that's fair, but still, <laughs> regardless, uh, I, I think he gets it done. Just uh, Sometimes things just have to come to an end, you know? The Cubs eventually won the World Series. <laughs> so I think Noah Gregson, albeit a lot shorter time frame, is finally going to get that elusive Xfinity Homestead win. Plus 200, I don't know if that's something I'm going to throw a lot on, just because the value is not there, but he is my pick to win the race. Uh, Value-wise, I think pretty much similar to the Truck Series. There's just not a whole ton down there. Uh, You know, it's not the deepest value, but it is right at the cutoff that we use. It's had a lot of speed at a very impressive playoff so far. And it would certainly shake things up. Austin Hill plus fifteen hundred. Yeah, we had the we had the same pick in the truck race for our favorites. I think we're gonna have the same value pick here. Uh, it's really the only one that makes sense. If you wanted to really roll the dice and go with his teammate at Sheldon Creed plus three thousand, I'd be okay with that. And even Riley Herbst at plus four thousand. But I, I'm just I'm not feeling it this. If week. you're both Landon Castle and Daniel Hemrick. How do you feel that you have in Landon Castle and Daniel Hemrick's the same odds and Landon Castle worse odds than Nick Sanchez, who never seen him actually called Nicholas Sanchez before, but DraftKings, <laughs> uh, DraftKings sure is. But yeah, I mean, I think Nick Sanchez will have a great race, but 
God, to have, be, have the same odds as him. Just that's uh, how bad of a year it's been for those two guys. For sure, for sure. Yeah, I, uh, I, I can't go with either one of them. Just they, they haven't, they haven't shown it. I guess if you really wanted a a deeper pick here, uh, Chandler Smith at plus ten thousand driving for Sam Hunt makes sense. But I don't know what he, has, he just hasn't, Smith. and he hasn't had enough yeah. starts in the Xfinity series for me to feel like plus ten thousand is. I feel like this is only his third start, and I feel like one of them was at Talladega in the spring. I'm so. almost positive one of them was Talladega. Yeah, so you, you know you don't have a lot of track time in these cars. I I do find it funny that they are letting him drive this race. Uh, just, it feels so random, but it, it, it feels so random. He's going to a Chevy team next year. I mean, you saw what happened with Tyler Reddick. He was basically supposed to run the 48 car the rest of the regular season. And the second that he signed with 2311, he was gone. <laughs> to be <laughs> never... fair, I don't, I don't think Toyota uh, is happy or feels betrayed by Chandler Smith. But whereas Chevy, I'm sure, was not keen on uh, Tyler Reddick leaving. Yeah. They probably were not, but I'm with you. My value guy is going to be Austin Hill. He's just he's the he's the best pick there. He's right at that 1500 line that we like, and he's with the two other guys up there, Brandon Jones and Sam Mayer. Where you know if Brandon Jones is 1500 next week at Martinsville. Sign me up. That might be the play. But here at Homestead, I'll I'll go with Austin Hill. We'll see if he can put something together and get himself in position to make the final four. Going over to the head-to-head bets, uh, what's the best one in your eyes for the race uh, Saturday after the truck race? So you are effectively locked out of picking this one, but I am not. And any time in the Xfinity series that you could get Ty Gibbs at plus 120, it's pretty tempting. I know it is against Noah Gregson, who I do expect to go out there and dominate this race, but... Anything can happen. I mean, it's not out of their own possibility. Ty Gibbs just is really good and can run head-to-head with Noah here. Uh, I don't know if Ty Gibbs started this race last year because it was too long ago for me to remember, and they, for whatever reason, had him part-time last year. Uh, But yeah, I mean, Ty Gibbs plus 120, I I get, is a great track for Noah. I fully expect Noah to go out and dominate. You will not be surprised if he wins, but I, I cannot pass up Ty Gibbs at plus 120. Yeah, definitely get the reasoning behind that. Uh, not often you see Ty Gibbs with a number like that in a head-to-head matchup. My head-to-head pick, I'm also going with somebody that'll get you uh, on the plus side. Uh, even money for Sam Mayer, plus 100. He's going up against A.J. Allmendinger at minus 120. A.J. just kind of seemed defeated after everything that happened at Las Vegas. And I know they're coming off of a great first round in the Xfinity playoffs, but not the start they needed last week. And they're they're just not as good on these types of tracks. You know, this is someone again similar to Brandon Jones with the race odds. If we were at Martinsville, I I probably wouldn't entertain this. I'd say AJ's good there. It's a short track. He should be able to contend. But mile and a half, I have my question marks. Junior Motorsports cars have just been so fast on these types of tracks all year long. Merit even money. It's just an easy pick in my eyes. So give me Sam Mayer, and uh, hopefully he can just put together a solid race and uh, beat out the 16 car. Going over to the fantasy side for the Xfinity series, uh, you know, a couple different names that, we already mentioned, that we've already mentioned. Um, any of those make it onto your fantasy team? Yeah, so I mean, I think he's going to lead almost every lap, just not the last one. So I still do have Noah Gregson on the <laughs> team. Also have 
uh, both of our value guys, or both my pick to win and, and our value guy, uh, Trevor Bain and Austin Hill, uh, you know, they all have ran good this year. Kind of track Austin Hill's been great at, so I, I has, did win here in the truck series as well. So I do uh, expect him to be able to compete. Next, someone who I also already mentioned, Nick Sanchez, 7,700. Outside of uh, Bristol, I think it was, which did not go great. He's finished like 11th and 12th in his last two starts in the 48. And they announced him for, I think, to finish out the season after this. I think he's racing both Martinsville uh, and Phoenix. And, uh, you know, 48's mentioned wanting a full-time guy there. I would certainly keep an eye on that uh, going into next year. But at 7,700, been a great value. Uh, another guy we've had pretty much all year as a value guy, Stephen Parsons, 6,500, has had. Didn't get the finish he wanted at the Roval, but has had a couple solid weeks. And this last one, bottom of the barrel. Uh, I'll admit that. It literally took every penny I had, and it's only because of the car that she is running, and that is uh, Julia Landauer. No idea how she's actually going to run. To be fair, didn't get a real shot at New Hampshire. Uh, but if she just keeps it clean at 4,800, it could wind up being worth it. I mean, I. I had a similar roll of dice with like Kaylee Deegan last week, and that that actually played out pretty decently. Um, starting at my bottom end, I'm going with Bailey Curry. Um, he's had a, some strong runs over the last couple, uh, you know, month or so in the Xfinity series. Uh, a little bit of a cold streak in terms of the fantasy play over the last couple of races, but if you go back to you know four or five races before that, he's putting up you know. 20s and 30s for his fantasy score so one of those guys again if he can keep the car clean he's had some solid runs for jd motorsports over the last month or so and i think at 5500 it's definitely one of the better picks there at the bottom uh, i also have stephen parsons at 6500 the alpha prime cars are in that sweet spot where you know they don't run good enough so they don't have their odds all the way up there or their their price all the way up there but you know that they're going to be able to put together a pretty solid day as long as they avoid any trouble uh, third person on my team, going with Chandler Smith, 7,800. Again, I, I don't know what to fully expect out of him in this race, but given that the 26 car is a solid ride, I think he's more than capable of running top half of the field. Maybe contend for a top 10 comes the end of this race. We'll see, but solid points day for Chandler Smith there. I think will be, uh, will be happening on Saturday. Next up. Uh, this is one of those guys, roll the dice, Sheldon Creed. You know he's fast. You know, this seems like a type of track that he might be really good at. But, again, he's he's got to keep the car in one piece. Uh, a little worried about it, but 8,800, you know, right before you get to the nines in the Xfinity series, it, it's one of those price points where there's not a lot there. You could go with a Daniel Hemrick or a Landon Castle, but I still feel more confident in rolling the dice with Sheldon Creed than I do with either one of those guys. And then, you know, if you wanted to move other people around, you could go up and get a Sam Mayer at 9,300. But just with what I had left, I I couldn't really move the cap around. So Sheldon Creed's kind of who we come up with here. Uh, next up, I know you picked him to win the race. I think he's going to have a strong day. Trevor Bain, 10,000. JGR equipment, enough said. And then my pick to win the race, who I think is actually going to lead the last lap finally here at Homestead, and that's Noah Gregson at 11,300. Punching his ticket to Phoenix, even though he's in a very good spot. All he has to do is not wreck, and, and even if he doesn't win this race, I, I think he'll be fine. So, Jackson's my anchor for the team, and hopefully even if he doesn't win, he'll just be able to put together a lot of laps out front and uh, give you a good day on the point side of things. 
So taking a look at the Cup Series, finally. Tyler Reddick, plus 700. He's the favorite. I'm a little surprised by this one. The only reason I'm surprised by it is that uh, Kyle Larson is not the co-favorite or second or third, but he is my pick to win the race. Kyle Larson plus 1,000. That's a pretty good one there. That's for sure. Uh, I mean, it, it would be fitting for Larson to win this race since it's not like, you know, he's, it, he's it out of the nothing to him. It means, right. I mean, I does get the five car into the owner's uh, championship four, which would be interesting. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, in terms of him and his... Because his, at the end of the day, if the five wins the championship, no, in 20 years, no one's going to remember anyway. No, no. Uh, Except Kyle Larson fans. It'll make things really interesting when we talk about Rick Hendricks championships. But outside of that, uh, I wouldn't honestly not be <laughs> opposed to a rule in the Cup Series where you're, you're just driver championships. Oh, we'll see what's going to happen is like Chaser William Byron's going to win the driver championship. Oh, then it's not even a big it. deal. It's not even a big deal. Um, well, they have to be eliminated from... Uh, well, I guess it doesn't. That doesn't have to be. They they would have to. Yeah, yeah whatever. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. Kyle right. Larson plus a thousand. I like it. I teased this last week. I'm gonna go with it still. William Byron plus twelve hundred. That's my pick to win the race. One here last year. He seems very confident coming into this one, and I think he gets the job done. Um. Yeah. I. I he seemed really serious, man. I, I think he's ready. I think he's going to be up on the wheel. He's going to put on a show similar to what you saw at the end of the race here last year. Back in, God, was, that was back in, like, February. Like Yeah, if, that's why it feels so years, long ago. I know. It, it feels Crazy. so long ago because of mm -hmm. that. Yeah, um, so. But, yeah, no, Byron, that's that's my guy. I, I think he's going to get it done. He's going to punch his ticket to the the uh championship four and we won't have to say man they shouldn't have been messing around all summer those points really mattered because they're not going to matter when he's in victory lane you know you're right but the cup series is my favorite because unlike the xfinity series especially this year unlike the xfinity series and the truck series there's always a ton of value here mm -hmm. uh and you're right you know the cubs did win the world series eventually the Bengals. Win a playoff game eventually. And Noah Gregson is going to win at Homestead. <laughs> but it's going to be in the 48. Uh, Plus 3,000. Not a steal, I don't think. Um, just, I don't know, man. It do doesn't feel like much else could help almost cap off the craziness of this this uh, cup season. Than Noah Gregson coming in and winning it. What is not even arguably clearly his best track in the Xfinity series. Mm-hmm. Now well, go ahead. You, you, no, I was gonna say, like, how, how confident are you in this? Because you just said he's gonna win the race. Oh, he's gonna, gonna win the race. Kyle Larson. <laughs> Kyle Larson's not gonna win. Kyle Larson's gonna finish. Kyle Larson is never going to win at Homestead. Uh, a thousand's great odds because he's gonna have a lot of speed. But I'm convinced at this point. He didn't win last year. Could have won, but didn't. <laughs> didn't get a shot to race in 2020. Uh but it's just he wasn't even second last year. I don't think. I think he finished third or fourth. I'm pretty sure Reddick was second. Mm. But Noah's. I know there's some concern about him not necessarily racing, giving it his all. But I don't think any of us think the 42 is as good as the 48. If there was one track, he's going to go out there 
do everything he can to win, it's going to be Homestead, and I fully expect to see that. So, I mean, the only way I think it could get crazier is if somebody like uh, John Hunter Nemechek won on Sunday. He is plus 5,000. He's in the 45 car, and they've shown a lot of speed in the playoffs. I just don't know what to expect out of him, having not driven one of these cars in race conditions. Uh, so, I do think he's going to do good for the record, and I think I actually have him on my, my fantasy team later. Because, again, he is literally racing for his career. What better way than going out there and running competitive in the cup race where I think it's gone under the radar, but Ty Gibbs has been nothing short of unspectacular. Yeah. Uh, Especially since the playoffs started, you know, whether that was really caring or not, who knows, but I, after having a pretty solid start where he finished like 17th or something at Pocono after not really, I mean, literally didn't get to practice basically since the first stages learning how to, or first stage learning how to drive the car to begin with. And I think his best run was Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he did he get a top ten there. If it wasn't there, it was somewhere else. I know he has one top ten. Um, I think it was Michigan. But other than that, like he hasn't even finished in the top fifteen much. Mm-hmm. Been pretty invisible the last few months. But I, I, I think John Hunter could go out there and and uh, it, you know obviously he has a year in the Cup Series, but it's a hundred percent irrelevant mm-hmm. since it's no way related to what he's going to be driving now. But. I think he'll. Uh, I do think he'll run good. Don't think he'll win though. Don't think he'll win. Yeah, and that's why he's not my value pick. Give me the guy that won stage one here last year, and his team is a hell of a lot better now than it was then. Chris Busher, plus eight thousand. Guy already has a win this year, and they've had success at this track very recently. A little bit of a different car. A lot of bit of a different car. Okay, but I mean the. They've been able to put it together, and they've been able to do it on a couple of different tracks this year, and I don't see a reason why he can't do it again. Again, they were very good here in the early stages. I think that team has built up more chemistry, and it's just performing a lot better than it was last year. So at plus 8,000, to get somebody that's already won a race this year, it wasn't like a plate race like in you know Austin Dillon or even in Austin Cindric. He went out there, and he, he won at a short track. It takes a lot of talent to do that, and I think that is great odds for somebody that already, ha- already has a win. So Chris Busher, that's my value pick for the race on Sunday. Uh, if you want one a little bit deeper than that, similar reasoning. Um, I do kind of like Eric Amarola at plus 10,000. Uh, was having a, a up and down um, yeah, Vegas, he, but was near the front for a he, good chunk of it. He was. I'll give you that. I, I remember uh, looking at the top five and being like, man, Eric Amarola's up there. Has ran good here before. Uh, certainly someone I had as a backup because I didn't know if you were going to be crazy like me and also want, uh, Noah Gregson. And if that was the case, I was like, well, let's pick someone different. Cause that's the trendy pick that a lot of people are making, thinking they're geniuses. I don't think I'm a genius. I think it's just, <laughs> it's pretty clear if he was going to run good this year, it'll be here. I mean, Brant had a good run at the Roval, so it's not like he's just puttering around the back. Uh, but 10,000 plus 10,000 for Eric Amarola had one of his better races of the season. My one concern is, I don't know, man, Stuart Haas. Like, I know Chase Briscoe is still somehow inexplicably getting it done at the end of the race, but they just, you know, one of, I was talking earlier about NASCAR feeling like a ship without a captain. Like, that's kind of what Stuart Haas feels like with the imminent retirement of at least Kevin Harvick. Uh, owners, you know, well, one owner putting, airing their dirty laundry. Uh, but if there was a track, 
that Eric Amaral could have a surprisingly good run at it might be Homestead. I don't think New Hampshire would be surprising anymore since he already won there. So I would go with Homestead. Fair. Mm-hmm. I mean, plus 10,000, it is still Stuart Haas, even though they're not what they were, you know, four years ago or so. Listen, I know that he's he's had some uh, good runs lately, but plus 10,000 is the same as Justin Haley. Mm-hmm. And it's also the same as, as Ricky Stenhouse and Ty Gibbs. And I certainly think Eric Amaral has a better chance than winning than any of them. Yeah. Although, again, that's fair. Justin Haley, sneaky good last last month yeah. or so. Yeah, they've, they've definitely been uh, putting themselves in a good spot for next year, that's for sure. Group picks. For Group A, we have Tyler Reddick at plus 220, Denny Hamlin at plus 250, Ryan Blaney at plus 290, and last week's winner, Joey Logano, at plus 300. Uh, well, I don't think he's going to win the race. I do think he's going to run good. Give me Tyler Reddick at plus 220. I expected him to be in one of these matchups, uh, but I honestly expected him to be a bigger favorite than this. So I actually do kind of like him. His odds even at, pl- at uh, plus 220. Yeah, you know, gut feeling here. I just don't think Reddick is going to win this race, and I don't think he's going to be the guy to win this group. I'm going to go with Denny Hamlin. Uh, they are in a tight, tight playoff battle right now, obviously. And, you know, he's he's sneaky solid at Homestead. I mean, he's won here, unfortunately, not when it's been the championship for. And, uh, you know, maybe there was that one time he could have won the race had he not, you know, had that issue where the team decided to put a whole roll of tape on the car. So very unfortunate there. And uh, I think they will end up getting it done and win Group A. Uh. Going over to the second group, Group B, we have Kyle Larson at plus 250, Chase Elliott at plus 250, Christopher Bell at plus 300, and Ross Chastain at plus 350. I picked Kyle Larson to win the race, so I'm, I'm picking him here. Yep, I, you know, just not feeling Larson either. I think he'll probably run about top 10, but I, I don't think he's going to be up near the front contending for this win. I do like Christopher Bell in this matchup here. Uh, plus 300, you're getting a little bit better odds. I think they know they have to come out, bring their A game, perform well. And I expect him to be near the front, top five run, maybe even contend for the win at the end of the day. I definitely think he's going to win this group. Chase Elliott at plus 250, man. After after Las Vegas, I don't know how you touch him in this race. I mean, I, I felt like that for his odds a lot of races this year, and uh, Homestead, he's been hit or miss at. I mean, the same has been true at, interme- at uh, Intermediates in general. But this year, they just have they had a good car at the first Kansas. Uh, but other than that, just have not had a great car at these, uh, you know, cookie-cutter-type tracks. And no, Homestead, definitely not cookie-cutter. At- mm-hmm. But you you know what I mean. Right. No, uh, like just Vegas wasn't that good. Like I said, Kansas one was, was decent. Charlotte won. Charlotte, the 600, he was, he was good. But... Uh, much bigger track, but Michigan was was not very good there. Wasn't very good at Kansas when we went there. Wasn't uh, very good at, or I guess it was leading Texas, but that's Texas. Uh, wasn't very good, obviously, at, at uh, Vegas. Wasn't there the, good there the first time either. So I agree. Um, I would not be surprised if they go out and they compete. Uh, it's been a very hit or miss for them. And we they had some speed at the Milan House before, but... I don't know, man. If if he somehow wins this championship, he won it limping through the the playoffs at this point. Yeah, kind of kind of reminiscent to Kyle Busch in 2019, where didn't really do a lot, uh, <laughs> you know, taking shots and uh, 
getting beat up on by lap cars that race or that that playoff run, and uh, you know they were able to turn it around and win at Homestead that year. Um, we'll see if Chase can do it, but they're gonna have to be a little bit better. They can't afford another Las Vegas esque performance. We're, we're, he might be on the outside looking in. Comes Martinsville. It's an uh, obviously at this point it would probably require uh, Bell winning again, but he already did it, and uh, you know that late race caution that, that the Roval could loom very large here after. After Martinsville. Yep. Last group, only three groups this week. So group C, we have William Byron at plus 230, Kyle Bush at plus 240, Martin Truex Jr. at plus 240, Kevin Harvick at plus 350. Byron's my pick to win the race, so that's my guy. Who are you looking at? You know, I'm sure I'm going to jinx it. Back-to-back third-place finishes. I know he's leaving, but still trying, still running, and he's still KFB. Give me Kyle Bush, plus 240. He's... Won here a couple times, has a couple championships to show for that. I know he wants to get at least one more win on his way out the door, so it's not yeah, a bad I, pick. I, I think he has, like, sometimes you wonder if they want to win, but I think he would 100% love it to be like, see, Toyota, I can still get it done, and now I'm leaving you. Peace. Yeah, no, he definitely would love to stick it to him, and I think the only thing he'd like to do more is just keep winning next year when he's at Richard Childress Racing. But I, I definitely get that pick. Uh, Truex at the plus 242. I don't think that's bad, just given he's a Toyota. And man, Kevin Harvick, plus 350. It's crazy the year he's had. You know, the first probably about two-thirds almost of the season, you would never entertain him. And then you have a couple-week window there where he looks like he might be the hottest driver on the circuit. And now here we are, a horrible playoff run, a huge penalty, and just every it just kind of seems like everything's been let out of the sales. And they, they had a top-five finish at the Roval. So in between all that, he's still gotten a couple of good runs in there, but just just a wild, wild second half for Kevin Harvick. And uh, I'm I'm not entertaining him in this matchup. Just too too many things going on there right now. It's Stuart Haas, I feel like uh, going over to the fantasy teams. Uh, Homestead, I think, you know, well, we have a couple guys that are the heavy hitters that you would expect to run up front. There are a lot of guys that really know how to get around this homestead track so i think that's going to allow for a lot of variety comes these teams yeah i'm not going to speak too much on these guys because most of them we've already talked about tyler reddick 10,900 kyle larson 10,800 they're the the top of the top of the team here uh no greg's in 8100 obviously ran good here the one guy i haven't mentioned rad kozlowski 7,000 rfk running much better lately has had a lot of good uh, fantasy days uh and uh, I mean, he's he's uh, ran good at Homestead before. So, okay. uh, and then Chris Busher, sixty nine hundred, uh, someone you already mentioned, and also John Hunter, sixty one hundred. I just think that uh, there's not a lot of like true value guys in terms of the you know in the Trek series and the uh, Xfinity series. You can find guys under five thousand, under six thousand that you feel comfortable with. Uh, so, do you get John Hunter at sixty one hundred? Obviously, a big unknown here, but I. Could see him running quite well. So for my team, I know I just crapped on the team this guy drives for, but Cole Custer at fifty five hundred Homestead is one of those tracks where he shows. At this speed. point, we're just Cole Custer truthers. <laughs> I think, like, listen, it, it just happens sometimes. I I didn't want to be it this way, but I I don't think he's the greatest driver ever. But you know, there are tracks where he's shown speed, and Homestead's one of them, and he doesn't have Mike Shiplett on the box, so. 
maybe maybe he could run even better. I think he was in position for a top 10 in this race last year before he had a tire go down late, so it's not like he doesn't know how to get around. And you look at his numbers in the Xfinity series, he's very fast here. If it wasn't for Tyler Reddick, uh, he might have you know some Xfinity championship hardware to show. So, his, first, his first win was here, wasn't it? Yeah, and he wasn't in the final four. <laughs> and then the year after, it looked like he was going to win that race, and they made a bad pit call, and he stayed out too long. That's how Reddick got in and ultimately won that championship. And then the second time, it was, you know, he went head-to-head with Tyler Reddick and came up just a bit short. So he knows how to get around the track, and at 5,500, it's just too good to pass up. So give me the low-salary guy with a really high upside here, and that's Cole Custer. I also went with Christopher Busher. Chris Busher, Christopher Busher, whatever he wants to be called. He's good with it either way now. Uh, 6,900. Again, I, I think they're going to have a really strong day, and that's somebody else who knows how to get around here. I took Noah Gregson at 8,100, <laughs> because even though you were the one that went with him on the value play there, I think he's going to have a pretty strong day. It would not shock me if he ended the day in the top 10. Uh, next up, my pick to win the race, William Byron, 9,200, and I overpassed Chris, uh, Christopher Bell who's at 9,000, another one that I think is going to be up front and having a strong day. And last but not least, the high person in terms of the salary, Denny Hamlin, 10,600. He's one of the last bullets Toyota has. You know, Christopher Bell not in a must-win situation, but Hamlin's a lot closer in terms of making it the Final Four. And I think they're going to be able to put together a solid day and uh, deliver a really strong fantasy showing, too. I think he's going to be up there challenging for the win with William Byron. So... You know, Toyota, Chevy, two guys that need wins to get to the final four. Um, I think it's going to be a good race, and I think we have some good fantasy teams as well. So that'll be fun to watch play out on Sunday. That will wrap it up for everything on the fantasy side. Mark, do you have any final thoughts before we sign off tonight? uh, Hopefully we get through a weekend with no issues. Man, that is uh, asking a lot, especially with it being a Truck Series cut race. <laughs> well, listen, if the Truck Series like to crap on themselves, that's fine. There's no issues from, you know, NASCAR or NASCAR, really, because at this point, it's par for the course. So if the Truck Series just craps on themselves, I don't think anyone will care. Fair. I think a lot of people especially feel... Unless, you know what? I don't know if it's better or worse if it ends up being Carson Osavar, but it'll probably be him somehow. Listen, <laughs> well, so I think a lot of people like crapping on the truck series, especially after how well Haley Deegan ran in the Xfinity race at Las Vegas. I think everybody is kind of at that point where we might start really beginning to question what's going on down there. But I'm with you. I'm just hoping for a nice, clean weekend, a really good racing action from Homestead. It's one of the best tracks on the circuit. And uh, man, I know we're trying to get away from tracks having two races throughout the year, but. Homestead is one we could go to too. Hell, I'd I'd go there three times. Uh, the racing's just so great, and I think with this new car in the Cup Series, it's going to be one of the best shows that you've seen there. So can't wait. Maybe they should just turn Fontana into turn Fontana into. Hey, I mean, you'd be, you'd be giving up half a mile. So yeah, they'll, they'll they'll be getting some land. some track left. Yeah, some they'll, land. They'll, they'll be they'll be selling off some land, so they could they could make that work. I. <laughs> It'd be pretty cool to have another homestead out there, but you know we could have done that with Atlanta. Yeah, that, you made it a plate track. <laughs> straight up, the only reason I don't, I would say no, we should not go there. Well, especially three times, is just since in Florida. Still, we already have 
Yeah, we already have Daytona a, there. Yeah, we don't. We, I guess we don't need three races there, but I wish it had it, two. I can't it, wait. It is. It is a great race. It is yeah. a great race. Can't wait till Sunday. Can't wait for the doubleheader Xfinity and Truck Series on Saturday as well. Uh, we'll be sure to be watching all the action to come out of Homestead, and we will break it all down for you after the races this weekend. But until then, guys, thanks for watching. Or watching. Not quite. <laughs> thanks for listening to the Bernie Breakdown. Brandon Monroe here. Thanks for listening to the Bernie Breakdown. Remember to keep listening to us on your favorite podcasting platform. And remember to follow us at Bernie Breakdown on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and all of our other social media platforms. 